Morning, Mike. Oh, hello. What are you glued to, Cameron? Uh, just your screen, unfortunately. Unfortunately. What do you do for a living, well, Cameron? I'm a carpenter. A carpenter, right. So how safe is that for the climate? Well, I work with timber, which is a much more sustainable material rather than concrete. I also but you work with trees off. that have been cut down then, don't you? It's a sustainable building practice. How is it sustainable if you're killing trees? Because it's regenerative, you can grow trees. Right. Well, you can, you can grow all sorts of things, can't you? Well, you can't grow concrete. You can. See you, Cameron. Cheerio. That was Cameron. Uh, he grows trees and then cuts them down and then makes things from them. Brilliant. Marvellous. <laughs> I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Sunday Roast. So we're back once again for another season, and we have two wonderful guests with us today. Uh, we'll start with Phil. For anyone who doesn't know... Anyone who's living under a rock, Phil, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel called A Different Bias, where I uh, comment on mostly British politics with a particular focus on Westminster, so Brexit, and uh, at the moment, the clown show that is the Conservative Party. Very good. Ollie, uh, Bowler Hatman, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, well, I'm... I'm Ollie. I'm, I'm Bowler Hat Man. As you can tell, I'm from... I'm, I'm from God's own country, Yorkshire. But yeah, like I say, I... I Again, talk about politics, talk about generally what is going on in the crazy world of bizarre, crazy, sometimes UK <laughs> political world. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes, but, you know, you look at it and it's like, how the hell have we got here? My yes. wonderful my wonderful co-host, Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Hi, uh, my name's Alex, also known as Political X. I'm a historian, author, and my lovely co-host, Max, can you introduce yourself, please? Hello, everyone. My name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about politics and Brexit in particular. Alex, what's our first topic for the show this week? Concrete. <laughs> Growing concrete. <laughs> the need to build concrete barns. Mike Graham has been brought in as some sort of consultant because only he has the secret to growing concrete. Phil! The story has yet to set. Wow. Phil, well, what's going on with the well, concrete? Given that uh, Education Secretary managed to spend Pour it out. £36 million on refurbishing her offices, goodness knows what Graham's consultancy fee will be. I read in my son's newspaper this morning that you spent £32 million refurbishing your offices, did you? Oh, I don't know, actually. I didn't. <laughs> I haven't done That's it. It's very nice. Uh, which offices? Uh, your offices, Department of Education. Yeah, they, I know that when I was last in the department, I was on a different floor, and I know they are refurbishing some of them. Um, but uh, but no, I wasn't Best involved use of in that. At the moment? Uh, well, I wasn't. I don't know what the. I mean, I guess there's some maintenance requirements that they had on there. I, I wasn't part of that decision, to be honest. But I'll uh, I'll check when I get back. But essentially, so but she, she didn't uh, know about it allegedly. Uh huh. Well, then Keir Starmer, uh, the lawyer who has to you know, pay careful attention to detailing documents, has made a mistake in examining the documents then. Also, the thing is then, so if she didn't know anything about it, who did? Because that's an awful lot of money to spend on office refurbishment. You don't let the office junior decide those things, do you? That is the Secretary of State who decides that. Uh, so who does she think? Who has she job shared with that we don't know about? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the only office refurbishment that's taken place. So post-war rebuilding, there's a lot of need to build a lot of buildings very quickly. They use this concrete, which is fine. There's a lot of people say, oh, if it was dodgy concrete, why did they use it? It wasn't dodgy concrete. It was, um, it, it was particularly suitable for buildings. It was lightweight. It was good for insulating. You just had to be aware that the building will not stay standing reliably above 30 years old. So just replace it. It shouldn't be that hard to replace build every 30 years. Now, we don't build them like that anymore, you know. So the last ones were built in the 90s, which is presumably the ones on their last legs now. Well, beyond their last legs. So the government, being, you know, Tories being Tories, decided, oh, you know, oh, funding for school budgets. Yeah, we don't really do that. Because as far as they were concerned, why do you need a new building? You've got one, haven't you? Yes, but at some point it will fall down. Yes, but it's not falling down now, is it? So as so far as they're concerned... we can put them in tents. We can put them in tents, oh, get the children outside, get them in tents. They wouldn't fine. have even thought about that. They will have just thought this building is not falling down. Now, they're probably really annoyed. Gillian Keegan's probably really annoyed. Well, why didn't they tell me which day it would fall down? Yeah. That's what? probably what she's thinking. 
I think it was, uh, I can't remember which byline times was it. Was it the East? I think it was the East Anglia byline times. It was, yeah. Someone, yeah. Someone from a, a whistleblower from uh, yeah. from our yeah. office said, oh, yeah, uh, if we can, you know, at least keep quiet about it for the next two years, well, it's not our problem. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> keep on it. She hasn't said anything to counter that, but then do you? Would you? Well, the thing is, it, it really doesn't matter because you, you look at what she's actually done, which is nothing. So whether she no, said all it or I'm going to say is have, that the woman well works done. really hard and just deserves an occasional thanks. Yeah. I mean, my sympathies we've, we've with the teachers. We've got to say thank you to her. and uh, and the parents because you know this is huge disruption, uh, and some of these people disrupted will be in their GCSE years. Not that it, you know, you know, if you knacker one year even before GCSE, you then knacker the GCSE year, um, and some of them may be moved to other schools, which means more overcrowding classrooms, some of them in taught in halls or porter cabins. Um, so, for the kids as well, because yeah. that's a big thing to go and get lumped in with a bunch of random kids, mm. potentially in GCSE year, trying to make new friends. Yeah, and it's coming off the back of COVID as well. So yeah. there's still there's still technically teachers are still dealing with all the post post COVID fallout. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if this is going to add to it even more. There was there was something within that as well, because if they're having to get the kids to work from home if they can't get them into another school. Are they providing them with laptops? Um, well, they did last time. So it was a mechanism last time. So I imagine... What, with the, COVID? Yeah. Mm-mm. Uh, Mm-mm. My no, no, no. There was about 100,000 kids that didn't have laptops because they were no. too poor. And the, the schools basically tried to provide their own. But of course, they were still limited in their numbers. Yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I kept abreast about this because actually I was offering to consult with the government on this. Mm. And I actually met with the Department of Education on online schools, about online schools in February. So I was pretty hacked off with them and what they'd done and what they hadn't done and what they hadn't prepared. But it also, <laughs> I mean, it brings in the bigger problem of poverty within the UK. You've got 100,000 kids, which, by the way, is the, the, the I, I worked out the numbers the other day. If it's 800 kids per school, 800 to 1,002, mm-hmm. I go on the lowest number. If it's 1%, if it's what, is it meant to be 150 schools, 156? That's 124,000 children that are being limited in their education or had the potential to have something land and crash onto their heads. Yeah. And if you watch the, if you watch the interview with Gillian Keegan and Gibbs, Nick Gibbs, Boyd, if you listen to those two, they kept playing it down. It's only 1%, yeah. it's only 5%. It's only 1%. The vast majority do not have rack. But we... And most of that is, is in, you know, in areas that it's not really a danger right. at all. There's not many of them. The vast majority, there's no suspected rack. It's only a small number. It's 124 Well, the thing is, do you know what it is? This is mm-hmm. why I keep thinking it's a bit like party at them, because there'll be voters out there, parents of these kids, when they're saying oh, it's only 1%. Those parents out there are going, yeah, but that's my kid. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what the the next time we get a poll, if this will have affect the, the polling numbers again. I mean, the thing is, they're at such a low floor anyway, so you could get it going down a little bit and not really tell anything. But something like this, if they were polling all right, all of a sudden they wouldn't be. Yeah, I, I saw, uh, I think it was Conservative Home put out their, their poll of ministers. Yeah. And, and cons- I know Rishi Sunak has slipped back into <laughs> negative digits again. Which doesn't spell good news, to be honest, for him. I, I think I keep on saying it. He's going to give the performance of a lifetime uh, come the Conservative conference. And I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off. Oh. Um, I, I mean, there was rumours, I think, last weekend, 40 letters in the 1922 committee. Mm. You need 55 to trigger one in the current 53, numbers. 53. Wow. But I don't, I'm not sure I believe that. Because the only person who could possibly know is Sir Graham Brady, and he won't say. Whereas there are some, you know, there are people within the Conservative Party who would like to browbeat others to, to finish him off, to suggest that, the, you know, this is coming. I, or even I thought... just to keep him honest. It could just be a ploy yeah. to keep him honest, to sort of say that to him, true. you're close, and it doesn't matter that you will win the confidence vote. It will, because what will happen with the confidence vote, he will win it, but uh, unless who a child to? actually dies... But the problem with it will be is people will tot up the numbers and they'll say, right, this many Conservative MPs backed you. That is less than half of MPs in Parliament, so you do not have the confidence of the House. Now, he'll still be the Prime Minister, but people will just, you know, this is exactly what happened with, say, Boris Johnson. Yep. 
it was like you you do not actually so labor every time sunak i mean they've already made some inroads in the fact that sunak's had to back down to rebellions but every time it happens now they'll say that's because you don't have a majority you are running a minority government do you think the erg have up sticks and just gone we're against they're, him or? i don't think split. i don't think they're even a viable no they're too split like, they officially objected to the Windsor framework and over half of the ERG members still voted for it so or at least failed to vote against it yeah. so they they advised their own members to, to adopt a particular position and couldn't even persuade them yeah I, I think it just goes to show you the fracturing in the Conservative Party there yeah. is yes um, that I think it was mainly that Brexit that brought them all together and and now that there isn't that well the problem is it made it worse, really, because it created this huge influx of MPs, you know, we call them red wall MPs, but they have a fundamentally different need to what you might call the blue wall MPs, which is the more traditional MPs, but in vulnerable seats. So the, the Tory heartlands want low taxes. They're not that bothered about it. They get enough investment. They're not bothered about investment up north. Up north, they want the investment and they don't really care about the taxes as long as obviously not taking the piss. Whereas what they got, they got the high taxes and the no investment. So it's like, so like I know, I'll screw both of you over. How about that? That's, that's even, isn't it? Have you seen the pure copium that uh, I think it was Alexander um, Sh uh, Shokum is the MP for Rother Valley put out? I can't remember. Oh, Which one was it? Oh, my word. Uh, so he is coping super hard because they managed to win a... Uh, <clears throat> A conservative council a by-election in right. and he's like oh my god the conservatives are winning in south yorkshire we're winning in south yorkshire oh, well, congratulations god. you only managed to win one uh you know council seats yeah the turnout a, was like 500 people or something <laughs> yeah on a 27 percent turnout uh <laughs> nine thousand nine thousand electorate two thousand ballot votes um it's not bad uh, for council by-election. Yeah. It was actually quite high. I was expecting it to be a lot lower, to be honest. And I think they only had about a 200 lead. And in local council elections, to win, sometimes you only need like two or 300 votes to, yeah. to swing a win. And it's you you're you celebrating think, that. Do you think the concrete's the final... Oh, come on, give me a pun. Give me a pun, Ollie. I was going to say uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Do you think the uh, the concrete's finally going to crack? <laughs> oh, the con and conservative. It will sink them down crazy. to the bottom of the what is it the the river in the U.S. in in New York. Are they, are they pouring Rishi's concrete shoes already? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you think do you think this is the final thing? Then I'm going to throw that over to Ollie. Ollie, do you think it's the final thing for the Conservative Party, the concrete party? it's difficult really um i think it all comes down to what happens at the conservative party conference i think sunak has got to go out and he's got to perform and i think he's got to say to the conservative party we are either ready or not ready for a general election and this is either going to be the last conference before a general election or if they really want to eke it out there will be another conference before the next general election depends how far they want to try and push it but to be honest it entirely depends on the conservative mps if, if they yeah. feel that they've had enough that they really cannot take it anymore that they know they're going to lose that there's no turning this ship around then they'll go for it and i think they'll try anything they can on to try and win especially the red wall mps i mean I am, I'll tell you now, uh, come election morning, oh my word. Oh, the 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 articles that are going to be written by those Red Wall MPs blaming Rishi Sunak and everybody else for their for their defeat. Mm -hmm. The the copium is going to be unbelievable. So if I um if I die like a week after <laughs> after the <laughs> After the uh, after the general election, it's because I've had an overdose of copium and I just couldn't take it anymore. 
The thing is, no one will care about those. Um, it'll be the MPs remaining that they need to worry about. Oh, yeah. Because they'll suddenly have no power. They're back to being MPs that can't win. I'll tell you what is interesting. So Redfield and, and Wilton's polling this week. So in the red wall, it has Labour leading on all 15 of their issues, which includes asylum. So the Conservatives are pushing asylum like nothing else. They're using up all their bandwidth on it. Because remember, you can't, you know, I say this about Labour, because you don't usually have to say about the Conservatives, they're usually aware of this. You, you can only, you can't just garble everything out. You have to focus on key messages mm. that are going to resonate with the key voters who will, you know, you have to know your audience. So when you, you're talking to the mainstream media, you have, you're thinking of certain key voters. And they've just been creating noise around asylum. And the only place it works is the Red Wall. And it's not doing because yeah. there's there's either not enough people there or there's the the people are not going to vote for incompetence so they'll either vote for the craziness of reform uk or the realistic competence of labor but you know so yeah on on asylum uh and they've got a fairly hefty lead where was it again let me find it specifically that's, that's, that's specifically that's the, to the stats of the hot topic basically. yeah i have to i have to say it is actually immigration rather than specifically asylum uh, but given that the Tories have ramped up asylum, you'd think it's like the most important issue with this uh, immigration. Uh, Labour have a plus eight percent lead. Their smallest lead, topic. their smallest lead is plus five percent, and that's on Ukraine, where Labour are basically going, "Yeah, we're not that different to the Tories." That's okay. the one thing where they're basically saying we're not that different to them. We're sort of supporting them on it. But, but you're not going to win. Have a you're not gonna, yeah, you, but you're no, not, not going to win an election, election on that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's utterly. So and they've got and Labour still have a five point lead on that, and that's balmy. That's like people going, okay, they're saying the same. That is basically people saying, you're not distinguishing yourself on it, but I believe Labour will be more competent. That's that's can be the only explanation, surely. Well, Grant Shapps is now in charge of that. So oh yeah, <laughs> I he um, great things. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? There's, it, it, it drops a couple of clangers. One of them I don't blame him for. He was asked, as you would be, because he's shown no interest in defence. Uh, how many ranks in the army? I don't think you need to know that as a defence minister. But I'll tell you what, when he was talking about how delighted the RAF were with their aircraft carriers, it's like, yeah, you actually don't know anything, do you? He, he needs to hire a few consultants, maybe well, like Michael he, Green. He needs to or... not talk. He has access to advice. He needs to not say anything until he's brief, but he's far too lazy. He's like so many others. He's lazy. And he thinks because he can turn on the charm that he'll just get through it. But he's just... The only reason he hasn't been ridiculed more is because, you know, Rishi Sunak has made a, an even bigger balls yeah. of this week. <laughs> oh. What do you think, Max? Do you think the, uh, the school's issue is the, the final nail in the coffin? I think it depends on how long it goes on for. So if it, and I don't see it uh, improving anytime soon because you're going to hear about more and more schools. And it's not just schools, it's also yeah. other public buildings like courts. Um, there's even residential properties that are that could be affected as well. So this is going to go on and on. And they're not planning to fix it. So it's not mm. like they could, I think they could resolve the problem by saying, okay, we have this money set aside. We're going to invest it straight away. We're going to re rebuild these schools. We're going to throw everything at it. But they don't seem to be interested. And I think it was Gillian Keegan who said to the, was it to uh, Byline? She said, well, or she was covered by Byline. She said something like, well, you know, let's just do nothing for the next two years and yeah. let somebody else deal with it. Yes. We just need to keep the lid on this for two years and then it's someone else's problem. That, so, that is what they're doing. There's no plan. Like their yep. plan is just to carry on building at the current rate, which is which is what's created this problem because it's not enough. It's not a high enough rate. Well, that in itself was a huge issue because it was it was on the BBC that they managed to get the private secretary on with Nick Robinson yes. to talk about what the actual situation I, was, and he said originally we said four hundred. Yeah. Then it was slashed to 200. Then it was slashed to 100. And when I left, I found out it was down to 50. Sky News then broke and said, well, Rishi made that promise. Shows a clip of Rishi making the promise. We're going to put in 50 a year, blah, blah, blah. And Sky then immediately comes out that day and says, Now that equates to about 50 schools a year that will be refurbished or rebuilt. I revealed in the last hour that Rishi Sunak said 50 schools a year would be rebuilt under his programme, which began two years ago. How many have been completed? 
just four. This is this is classic Tory. This is what has happened since David Cameron came into office. It's you have a problem. We need X amount to fix this problem. We don't really either want to fix this problem or we'll rather give you less money. Yeah. The leveling up white paper, <laughs> if you remember that. The first two chapters were like, leveling up, we're going to do it. We need this amount of money to all do it. And then you come to the actual treasury section of yeah. what the money they're going to spend. And it's not even close. It's, it's quite funny with Michael Gove, if it's a tragic, because he's like pretty much the only competent member of cabinet. And his job for the past few years has been to come up with regeneration plans. And he does it. And then whichever monkey's in charge at the time goes, yeah, we're not doing that. It costs money. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So, I mean, you've 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 done some amazing like uh, wordplay there because I mean, do, do, does anyone remember that genetics document that Cummings came out with that was given over to Gove, suggesting that genetics was more important than teaching? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Dominic Cummings could be topical today as well because uh, um, we've we've as well as Horizon, we've just entered the Copernicus program which is a satellite programme. Do you remember Boris Johnson giving Dominic Cummings half a billion to buy out a bankrupt satellite company that yeah. specialised in the wrong type of satellites for the purpose? And somehow that was going to get us the right type of satellites. There's this company that couldn't make a, a living, that couldn't make a profit from building the satellites it's good at, but apparently it'll give us a source of cheap, uh, suitable satellites for which they have no expertise that will rival Europe's. And it launches from Russia, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't do anything, because obviously it was waste, money completely wasted. Yeah. doesn't do anything. We're now oh, back in Copernicus. Our, that's our dom. <laughs> we are now going to be joining Copernicus again and doing it properly. So that oh. was a complete... I mean... Yeah. How, long before, how long before the UK rejoins Erasmus? Uh, that'll be Labour. Uh, the Tories yeah. have no interest in that because that's helping young people. What I, I agree with David Hennig. <laughs> what the Tories will be wanting to... They'll want a deal on extending the grace periods on uh, rules of origin for electric cars because that is imminent. And it's not... They don't get an economic boost if they get it, but they get an economic hit if they don't. And that's happening at the end of this year. So unless they want that general election right now, um, they can't afford that. So he'll push for that very strongly. But Erasmus, it's like... So you think about it, like, there's Tory MPs, hard Brexit Tory MPs, are whining, in the media and the party, uh, are whining... Well, obviously, it has to be in the party if they're MPs, but Tory, should we say. Um, they're whining about this, you know, the joint rejoining Horizon, saying it's all crap and all the rest of it. Um, so Rishi Sunak, to get this, has had to fight a bit of a battle. He's obviously got enough MPs to go, well, we get economic benefits from this. Whereas Erasmus, they won't see that. It's basically pulling out of Erasmus was cultural vandalism, not so much. I mean, I don't know how much it affects the economy, but it's more cultural. Um, but so he, he will be able to expend political capital for an economic boost. And it has to be an economic boost before the election. Or in this case, I'll say not a boost, but at least not a loss. So that's yeah, I agree with Hennig on that one. I mean, we could we could talk about Erasmus being a long term investment because it brings in connections to. Mm. Uh, I mean, it isn't just Europe. Erasmus, Erasmus is more than just Europe, but it would have brought up connections, and we could also talk about helping with IQ. And it's interesting <laughs> you talk about it as another thing that they don't want to do with the U. Rishi's yeah. already on record saying he didn't really want to help out the university students. Yes, they're complaining about the number of people going to university. Mm. They've come up with a batshit crazy idea of bringing back in national service yes. and you're like but we've got we've got a shortage why are you bringing that in like do you want it's almost like they want people to be drones yes that's given exactly orders what they want. And just yes thrown right. in and ordered around yes that's so precisely going, what they want none of this i mean <laughs> part of the argument which you know we've just talked about horizon we've talked about some of the other products in Cummings. Cummings wanted, and, and Boris said this as well, he wanted us to get a step up and improve our lot as a country by increasing the educational standards within the UK. And Cummings' paper that was on genetics was saying there's a lot of problems within the education system. It's not fit for purpose. And we're going we're gonna to have problems down the road. 
when you, when you look at all of these things, it almost looks like they're on some sort of neo-Darwinian project to have like a, a lower class and this upper class that controls the lower class. I, I, I mean, it, 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 and you look at all the little bits and pieces that are going along with it. And you look at that colonial imperial history, which definitely advocated this stuff in the 1900s. You listen to Boris, who's quoted in The Spectator saying that we should be in charge of Africa yeah. because we did such a rip-roaring job last time. Yeah, I know. And so uh, I'm just going, these colonial attitudes seem to be still prevalent within the Conservative Party, and it's a form of neo-social Darwinism. Everything and the good always gets to the top. Well, that's why they were after a trade deal with India that's now stuck yeah. in negotiations. Well, uh, they've said, I mean, they've said there's not going to be any extra visas for students. Well, okay, there'll be no trade deal there. No. Because yep. that's what India, India wants. For it. <laughs> India are renowned for their trade deals, and they just walk away. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and again, it's this imperialism. Oh, we've got this special connection. Like, yeah, but can, it, anyone... can we bring it back to class? Oh, where yeah. no, just in, and in relation to concrete, how many how many private schools do you think are affected by by zero. rank or, zero. or have to get, And then how many Tory MPs' children are going to uh, state schools? There might be some, you know. Yeah, mm. they, they'll not all be mm. uh, wealthy enough to have, to have taken their kids to private school. Um, but they'll not be the influential ones. Yeah, they'll, they'll be in, as we, as we say, in, in Sheffield, there's a, a very infamous school called Silvervale. It's a it's a public school, but it's in, like, the good area. Um, and I had a friend who went from teaching in Rotherham, in one of, like, the worst schools in Rotherham, to teaching at Silvervale. And it was uh, night and day to a point where if a, if a child did not turn up with like a, a, a protractor or pencil case, the parent would be in the next day and oh. buy them a. I, I, yeah. I can tell you about. There was a school when I was just start when I was just qualifying. Um, at the time, I was doing job interviews around Manchester, and there's one there, and I can't remember the name of it. But it was like there was someone who was local to Manchester. Oh, it's really rough there. But what had happened is, um, it had been. The head, the head teacher had come in, made it selective, all the rest of it. So all of a sudden it was like, you know, top draw. But also absolutely zero tolerance. There was a, a kid there. I know, I know someone who taught there. I was talking to them. And the rules were, as they often are in schools, you take your coat off before you walk into the classroom. One kid took their coat off as they were walking into the classroom, suspended for a day. It's like, you don't mess about here, son. So, you know, when you have that, that sort of, and they can get away with it because if the parent wants to kick up a fuss, it's like, right, you go to the school where your GCSE grades will drop. We've got plenty of people banging on the doors to come here, which is wrong. It's wrong to have that. But at the same time, yeah, no kids pissed about there. I did not get that job. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't slag off their system, but I did not get the job. I, I could have done with that system because I was actually really bad at behaviour management in schools. I was fine in colleges, not in schools. So I would never go back to a school, really. Second year students are always a bit <laughs> luck of the draw. So uh, well, I find, if you mean like year eights, I find that they sort of go on the turn partway through the year. Um, yeah, they sort of turn into monsters, basically, which I, I just obviously lack any sort of understanding of them. So... I just I abandoned that as a bad job. You heard so, it here, folks. Children yeah, turn into monsters. <laughs> monst well, more specifically, I wasn't good at turning them back. Um, but um, maths was easier than science because they can't really weaponize too much in a maths class. <laughs> what were they that doing was a problem. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, even like power packs, they'll try and turn them into arc welders, you know. Um, but, but Phil, don't you know that seven uh, eats eight? No, that was that was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was oh that was that was bad. <laughs> that, that was bad. I'll I'll go now. <laughs> Talk about bad numbers. Uh, all the councils are broke. <laughs> oh my word! Who's done the bad math there? Phil is bringing us up a, a nice a graph. A nice graph so this is the Institute for Fiscal Studies produced this uh, recently. And the black line is for England, councils in England. There are some others, like you can see there, 
metropolitan districts in London boroughs, but the England ones, right? And the black, it's, this is real terms funding. So f between 2009-10 and 2020 to 2021, remember where this, you can see a little tick up there because they were getting COVID funding, which was also not enough. But it's nonetheless dropped by 15% in real terms. And of course, there are, they're, they're poking at Labour because that's a, you know, obviously it's a Labour, uh, sorry, Birmingham because it's a Labour council. But there are, there are more Conservative councils gone to the wall than Labour councils, yep. but they don't mention them. And it is because, although, yes, some of them are incompetent, because at the end of the day, what is a councillor? A councillor is someone who's got the time to be a councillor. Um, they're not paid properly, so you can't give up a job. Well, they're to not paid counselor. at all. No, it's they do technically get some money that's supposed to cover expenses, but you don't get, you don't get something that allows you to give up a job if you're in work. Um, so you've got a really limited pool of people who can become councillors. And then some of those may bite off more than can chew because they'll still be working while doing it. So Old they may people. not be able to dedicate the time. Yeah. They also, or they're already wealthy. Yes. It's what you generally um, So you usually find in any council, doesn't matter about the party, about half of them are all right and half of them are on the take or just useless. Um, but at the same time, when the government have been cutting funding for councils, like this in real terms, of course, they're going to get into money problems. It's not like they were swimming in gold when Labour were in charge. Because yeah. apart from anything else, you know, Labour, I mean, Keir Starmer's talking about, you know, devolving lots of power everywhere, but Tony Blair was not. So he liked sort of to have a bit of a, a, a control of things anyway. The idea that he would throw generous amounts of money to people who would, in his view, probably waste it and he'd get blamed for it. Um, was a bit remote. So they had enough money, but they did not get a lavish bit of funding. And even that has gone down. But isn't it a case of you have, like, funding is down, but you also have inflation, which is making everything more expensive? Well, this is, this is real terms. So okay. they, they did this in real terms. But isn't there uh, also, isn't there another issue that if councils want to increase council tax above a percentage, yeah. they actually yeah. have to put it to a referendum? They do, yes. Yep. So the government decide by how much percent they can increase it. And they've had to increase that figure over the course of the Conservatives' time in office because they just simply weren't giving them enough from central funds. Um, but yes, they have to have a referendum if they want to raise it further. Does anyone else feel like we're in class with Phil? Like yeah. whiteboard? <laughs> <laughs> did, so, you take off, did you take off your coat? Yeah. <laughs> I need to go to the toilet, sir. <laughs> oh, dear, don't. <laughs> Oh, it's for the, the flashbacks. You can see it already. <laughs> uh, so what happens when a council becomes bankrupt? Is it central government start filling in the gaps or? In all honesty, I don't really know a great deal. Yet. It's, it's, it's more of a recent thing. There have been councils in the past that have obviously pissed away all their money. Very famously, um, a Labour council in Liverpool, wasn't it, in the early 80s, on which uh, Neil Kinnock based his famous speech. Uh, which eventually sort of elbowed militants out of the way. Um, but by and large, they don't. it doesn't happen very often, um, but it's been happening for quite a few. I think there's like 26 councils are in trouble, but I think eight councils have actually gone bust, and most of them are Conservative. There's like two, I think, Labour. And, well, at the moment, see, there's a couple that where one's Labour and one's Lib Dem, but that was only this year. They were Tory councils. Um it's just the local elections this year that changed them. So wasn't that, wasn't that Woking? Aren't they also Woking like, is one? Yes, Woking like one point two billion debt, something, something like that. Insane. And even I Birmingham think... was in debt when Labour took over the council. Yep. The reason um, why Birmingham's in debt so much is because back in twenty twelve they've had to settle um, quite a significant a amount for fair pay laws. Yeah, that's the big reason why yes. that that's happened to them, and. The big reason why most of these councils are in trouble is because of austerity. They're being told to do more with less. Hmm. That is that is the big issue. Yeah. That is what all these councils are now continually having to do. Um, and this is what's causing problems. As well. Am I, I, is it social services they now have to... Yes, yes. social yeah. services well, is the big one. Mm. Which is just because absolutely we're... draining them. And it yeah. just then depends. They might have an older population... Yep. Which is happening in town. Yeah, it's a continuing older population and it becomes, and they have to spend more and more on it. And if you're, as we said, if you're a council, do more with less, that there comes a breaking point. And if you look at all these councils, at the moment, 
it has been something that has caused that breaking point, whether it has been bad investments or is the yeah. case with Birmingham, it was the um, the payouts for the, uh, the fair pay uh, cases that they've had to do. It has so far always been, they've been skirting the edge and then something's happened. Something unexpected has come along and it's rocked them. And that's what's happened to most of these counters so far. And I think there's going to be a lot more this year because officially uh, 2023, this is when the EU funds dry up. Yeah. Wow. So I would not be surprised. But but the Tories have said that they, or the Brexiteers said that they would equal EU funds. Yeah, they do tell the odd lie. The farmers are still waiting. But I mean, the the thing on the council. Surely, I... surely their promises are set in concrete. Yes, they are. in rack concrete. <laughs> it's it will last for years. <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the one for the, me. There comes in that bigger problem. I mean, they keep banging on about immigration being an issue, but our birth rates at one five six. Hmm. London's at pull. I mean, I've, you've made me think about this and going, well, if if certain areas are <laughs> just filling up with old people and no youth are staying and they're moving out and they're moving most likely. Well, there's a very good chance they'll be moving to a big city. A very good chance it'll be London. I'm just thinking to myself, there's, there's similar problems in Italy, isn't there, Max? Yeah. You've got yeah, empty but- towns. In its southern region, which has historically been dependent on agriculture, hides 6,000 abandoned villages. Ghost towns forever frozen in time with the last generation who still remembers life inside of them still alive. Well, it's actually yeah, gone a bit further, because uh, that sort of thing suits the Tories. That's what happened in places like Hartlepool. So you were left behind with homeowners and the elderly. So it changed because the young would move in out because there's no opportunities there. Uh, so you changed it from a Labour area to a more conservative area. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about any particular leader. It was just natural demographic changes. But interesting with London, because London's becoming too expensive for young people to afford at all, that more of them are commuting from the sort of belt outside it. So actually, more young people are now around London living yeah, in what were sort Tory of areas. Tory areas. So it's actually, yeah. it's, it's going the other way now and, and it, you know, hurting the Conservatives. Can I throw out a question to all of you guys? Um, if you were able to fix, well, if you were in charge, what would you do to fix the housing crisis? We can start with Ollie. If you were Prime Minister for, if you were Prime Minister tomorrow, what would you do to... <laughs> To fix it's the housing crisis. really more. It's a multifaceted question. That, as, as as Father Jack would say, that would be an ecumenical matter. That would be an ecumenical <laughs> question. Uh, <laughs> you've got to, first of all, you you've got to build houses. That's that's the first thing. You've actually got to build proper socialized housing, and you've got to make sure that is what is being built because the the Tories pretty much left it into into private companies to do that. They don't want to build that type of housing. There's schemes up and down the country <laughs> where they've gone to councils and said, we're going to build all these thousands of, of social housing on this site. Aren't you lucky? And then all of a sudden, that's not what gets built. So you've got to have the ability uh, for councils to be able to ensure that that's the type of housing that gets built. If not, they can maybe build it themselves. Another thing we've got to do is tackle renting. Um bring in rent control whether you do it nationally or whether you do it by a it's left to local council i again i i'm not sure but maybe that will cause different fluctuations undoubtedly but um we'll see it's that those are the two things because you've got to tackle you've got to tackle renting and i think you've got to really start putting taxes on people who own multiple owns and those are the landlords and you've got to start freeing up stock because that's the big problem Uh, i would add to that i agree with that i would add to it the difficulty in terms of exactly what i do depends on whether we're going to bring in pr or not if we don't then if we build social housing and 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 rent it out then the toys will come straight in and sell it off um if we can last longer then you can do that but what you could do is you could still have nationalized house building to go alongside private house because you can't possibly uh have enough of, of one or the other um and sell it cheaply to people who are um who are on low incomes so they get cheap mortgages at least sell it cheaply and they get a private mortgage i would prefer it was almost like student debt 
where you have that because it wouldn't cost more than that for a house um and you just pay it off over time but that's you know you, you can't just turn that over overnight you'd have yep. to keep the tories out forever for that it's, but i would it, i would certainly say you don't build social housing for rent if you're not going to stop the tories coming back in because they'll just sell it they will just sell it all like they did before Alex, yeah, you're, one... you're in London, so what's your take here from a London point? So it'd be, I mean, everything they've said, both Phil and Ollie, yeah, I mean, spot on. It would be 3D printing as well. I'd just bring it in. I'd just get rid of the tax on it and just, I, I was running the numbers. It's 10 times quicker. You're, you're increasing your capacity to build by 10. Probably have to increase concrete and you probably have to increase production of the actual machines. Um, IKEA apparently looking at it at the moment, which is a huge step forward but if you put up a two-story house in two weeks with seven guys seven people you are putting yourself in a position where you can construct stuff very quickly i think the highest building they did was about five years ago it was in china it was five stories so you can do a 3d printed house that's five stories tall i think i think at a minimum you could get at least get the first two stories even on a large tower block and i'd be i'd be doing the stuff that they're doing in vienna most housing in vienna is owned either by local council or by the state and rented out and it puts a rent control price in there. Interestingly, I'm getting wind that the banks are moving a little bit more in that direction as well. I think there's at least three. I know JP Morgan's one of them. I think Chase is another one. Um, they're investing in buying housing in the UK to then rent out and then they're going to get their revenue from that. They're not going to sell the properties, mm. which is very interesting. <laughs> but from what I've been told, one of the problems that the council has, councils in London have, is that they can't afford to build on the brownfield sites that they already own. Private, public, share of responsibility. There's a lot to lot to be said about that as a, as a stepping stone and getting people into the housing yeah. But the, the longer term concern is if we build too much and our population continues to drop, housing is going to be worthless. Um, that's I mean, a that's a lot you know that could be 10 20 years away before yeah. we start to see that as a bigger problem so that's something else to be concerned with yeah we're not we're not japan yet not for, we're about we're about 20 years behind yeah i'd say well, japan's weird when it comes to the buildings sorry because the land's worth the land is worth more than the actual house so if you were to let's say you built a, a new brand new new house and it Let's say it gets valued. What would we'll just keep it easy? Hundred grand. Uh, Ten years later, it might be worth fifty. So it's the property decreases in value, but not the land. And that's why sometimes in Japan you can go and pick up really cheap housing, but the building itself will be completely dilapidated because what you're buying is the land, not the actual the physical property. Uh, there was um, a, there was just as you said that there was a very interesting documentary I saw on YouTube about. Um, uh, a change in culture in Japan where people would refuse to move into properties where somebody had died mm. um, because they believe that the, you know, the, the spirit or whatever would remain in the property. Um, but a lot of young people are, you know, because changes in attitude to cultural issues, uh, they have said like to hell with that. I want a cheap, uh, a cheap property. And the, the, the value of some of the properties because somebody had died in it is in some cases almost half. Mm. Um, but uh but as soon as you move in, then the, the, the curse is lifted. So you can sell the property after <laughs> at, a, at a normal rate. You just got to stomach one night in a possibly in a haunted, haunted property. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, this is it. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to go to Japan and set up our own Ghostbusters organization. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what we need to do. That's what we'll do. That's how we'll become millionaires. Sunday There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Sunday Rose. There's something weird and it don't look good. Who you gonna call? Sunday Rose. Well, we will because we won't need all that high powered equipment. We just need a sleeping bag. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> That's true. But where's the fun? Where's the fun of you know trying to build a nuclear reactor and a bit of, and a bit of courage? I feel like you could double it. You could get the sleeping bag and you film the night in there, and you film the docu series. You literally you dehaunted houses by living in them for a night and, and sell it to Netflix. What's been going on over in the US? 
we're like, I mean, we talked about Japan. Let's let's talk about America. We've got we've got like three massive stories that have come out of there over the summer when we when we went on holiday, and I don't even know where to begin with them. Oh. You've got you've got Trump, you've got the mad congressional hearing on UFOs, and then you've got the Hunter Biden story that <laughs> that a lot of people in the, uh, are saying is a is a conspiracy. It's been like put under the carpet. But can, can, I, can I can I can I can I start off and then we'll bring in the other guys? But um, my, I'm I'm sort of disinterested in the Trump story until I see him in prison, um, because then then it'll be really interesting because he's got, he allegedly he's going to run for president from prison, uh, sort of uh, opposite a uh, sort of evil uh, Lula. Anyway, um, I think the more interesting one was the aliens one. I, I'm not. I'm. I don't believe in UFOs and stuff like this. But I did find it interesting how there was a guy in a congressional hearing, talking about alien bodies, and uh, and objects flying faster than the speed of sound or something like that. Um, impossible objects flying faster than the speed of sound. Um, you mean tic tacs? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, tic tacs. Yeah, experiments on animals or something like that. But. Um, uh, just the the fact that they were talking about it, I thought it was interesting. It was there was an element of, is this like a version of the X Files? Yeah, made <laughs> out to be real. Have they actually got Fox Mulder, the real Fox Mulder, out on TV? I I don't even know where to begin with it. It's absolutely mad. I, to come out. I don't know. It, it seems like, to me. Seems to me from like like the American people that I follow, they've all gone. No, this the those guys were were just full of it. There was, they were presenting no real evidence. They were saying all this, you know, grandiose stuff, but really, there was no evidence. There was no photos. There's no stuff. And every time they were questioned, they were like, "Well, I can't actually answer that." Wink, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but I can disclose it to you within a secure room. Um, and I, and I very much doubt that there will be any more follow-up on, on this, to be honest. My bigger interest was in the Republican debate, um, which, oh my word. <laughs> they make Ooh. Brexiteers look intelligent, do they? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you had, every, you had was it Vivek Vishwami, <laughs> I think his name is, this, mm. this tech billionaire, Uh Everyone, so what? What do you do? You believe that climate change is a hoax, and everyone's just like putting their hands up, and it's just like, okay, yeah, there's a party that doesn't believe in science. That's that's not worrying at all. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this: the climate change oh, agenda whoa, 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 whoa. is a that's hoax. Ridiculous. The climate change agenda is a hoax. More people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate change. Governor some of the stuff that I think is going to be insane and probably cross over to our politics is if we do have another conservative leadership contest, how big will the shadow of Boris Johnson loom over that contest? I mean, you had Trump, who was the essentially was running, but not even there because according to him, why do I even need to be there? There's mm. there's no one, there's no one close to my to my numbers. Why do I need to dignify? Slightly any, arrogant. Yeah. So. Uh, and yeah, it, we, honestly, it was just bizarre from start to finish. But the two people who are the most worrying, who luckily are both not going to win, um, again, is Vivek, because he's pretty much an open, pretty much a fascist. Uh, you don't want someone like him coming in to run the US government as a as a, as a business. And then uh, Ron DeSantis, who is a slightly more competent Trump um only slightly yeah only slightly <laughs> and he's getting into a massive feud with disney and <laughs> i i think i said this before on um on a, on another uh on another panel show um but you don't mess with disney you don't <laughs> talk to me like that <laughs> they, they can afford it very expensive lawyers <laughs> oh yes they've got Their share money. prices are tanking though absolutely tanks they've, they've not put out any decent i think games workshop there you go get to put a plug in i think games workshop share prices will eventually overtake them if they get the uh the warhammer series up and running it sounds like they're going to be doing that with amazon just on a slight tangent yeah. well but yeah i don't that, think he's got a chance taking on disney i think he's when you say that all the all the films haven't done great but they've made their money back uh elemental um 
one of them recently started off as an absolute flop but over time it eventually sort of built up and it made made more its uh, more of its money back it's they've had yeah. not flash in the pans like they've had the big box office weekend blowouts but they've had like over time they've they've made their money back and that's not what's been reported but of course you've had all the right wings going ah disney's losing disney's losing well not when you look at their records, they're still making a significant amount of money. Um, but that'll be interesting to see how that works out because I think Disney's going to just start funding uh, Democrats and any opposition that will put up against DeSantis and that'll be the end of DeSantis. But DeSantis himself point. doing a lot of crazy stuff in Florida. Banning books. Well, yeah. that is the state for it. Yeah. And the second, I think... The Ameri- like if he ever was the candidate, I think the rest of America would look at that and just go, Florida. "Why are we electing Florida man?" Flor- uh, Florida is like Britain's, it's like America's Hartlepool. You know, you have all the the people, the the, the moderate people moving out and the crazies moving in. No, no offense, no offense to Hartlepool. Just to, you know, the way you're oh no, no, they deserve it. They hung up. No, okay. <laughs> they, they don't. They don't. They, they haven't. If they've shown no interest in moving on from hanging that monkey. Mm. What do, you, what do you think of this all, Phil? I mean, there are three stories. I, I think, yeah, I think America exists to make us look normal, quite frankly. <laughs> it's mad. It, it, it's just, it's incredibly polarised. Everything's tribal. Like, I mean, you mentioned Boris Johnson, but actually Boris Johnson lost a lot of support. A lot of the people who backed him don't back him anymore. In the party, it's not even known how much support he even has in the party. Uh, he certainly doesn't have as much as he thought in public. Um Whereas Trump, he's not really lost any support, has he? Yeah. It's just saved fixed. He's lost his swing vote. Um, 30% of core, the Republicans still support which him. Is about, yeah. He's got his core, which is about 75, yeah, but 79 got million. But he's not added to it. He's not going to... No. Well, I mean, I, I say it, this. It's, if, go on, Phil. I was going to say, Boris Johnson could not do what Donald Trump is doing. You know, he could not um, pack out rallies or anything like that. You know, he's... You know what is is reduced to writing Daily Mail articles. He's probably not even writing them. In fact, that's a thing. Someone I've forgotten who it was now. A oh, guest Boris writer. using Chat GPT. Yeah. No, someone else will be. Someone I've completely Boris forgotten GPT. who it was. But a guest writer for the either the Daily Mail or the Mail on Sunday. Um, a, an article was written in her name that really didn't sound like her. And people say, "All right, you write this." She said, "No." Um, she said they they do this. They use ghostwriters and just use the person's name. So we don't know that Boris Johnson has written anything. What <laughs> Boris not doing his work? Who would who could think that? <laughs> so who knows? He may have done. He may have done, but we don't know that. There are two topics that have united the Republicans and the Democrats. Weirdly enough, because you, know, you were right. Other than that, they're divided. But the two topics appear to be Brexit. Which has pissed off both oh. the Republican Party and the Democrats because they both lay yeah. a little bit of claim to the Good Friday Agreement. Yes, but interestingly enough, and this is this is something that didn't get reported that much. But we go back to the UAPs. It looks like Republicans and Democrats who were in that congressional meeting were saying afterwards how well they got on on discussing the topic and trying to come to some sort of resolution with. I mean, we can debate the topic of the actual sources, but the actual other key topic is the Pentagon, who have clearly been going off and doing whatever the hell they want for oh. at least 70 years. And if... it was fascinating as well afterwards. There was something else that came out in a post-conference. There were two Republican Congress people and a Democrat doing a press conference immediately after the congressional hearings, and they were making threats to the Pentagon. Three United States congressmen were denied, denied by our military. We're supposed to be telling them what, excuse me, what to do, not the other way around. And so we've, we're going to continue on that path. But I want you to think about this. Think about this, that something with the capabilities of traveling light years, not showing uh, a heat signature, the energy capabilities of that, that would put the Pentagon out of business. We wouldn't be fighting these worthless wars overseas over oil, and American boys and girls wouldn't be dying. It would put the war pigs out of business, and they'd have to go somewhere else, and I'm all for that.
I'm all for that. Which in itself is insane. I cannot imagine any business organization saying I have no control over this department and I'm going to have to go out on public TV mm. and threaten them. And what they actually said to the Pentagon was either you get us on board and explain what you're doing and you justify it and you give us oversight or we are going to defund you and we are going to sack you. That was coming out of Republicans and Democrats. They're so whether or not we can go with the, the, the whole thing of UFOs <laughs> and debate that, but the fact is they are coming out on TV and telling journalists they are threatening the Pentagon. That, that in itself is mind-blowing. And it's also adding to this, it's not just Congress. The White House has sanctioned a lot of the stuff that's being said in there, and they are also sanctioning the SCIFs, the, the secure rooms where only con congressional people and presidential aides can hear about what's mm. being learned and discussed and stuff in the Secrecy Act. So I'm going, it's not, it isn't just Congress. The people that seem to have absolved themselves of this is the Senate, which, we're, which is weird in itself because the Senate is actually meant to be the ones that are having the oversight over the Pentagon. And they've not, they've been silent about the whole thing <laughs> because they're like, we don't want to look crazy and we don't want to, this is not a vote winning topic. Mm. But I think the whole thing is completely mad. But there you go. There are two topics and one of them is Brexit. Which is, oh. which is united Democrats the, the Irish lobby is huge mm. yeah. you can have had as the president has you can have had an Irish ancestor 300 years ago, you've never been to Ireland in your life but you're Irish yes. so yep. it's um, absolutely massive that's that's yeah. what I noticed when I went to Dublin, the amount of Americans you can hear when you're walking about <laughs> What's funny about that's that is that uh, there's a new accent, a, a, an accent has actually evolved over the last 10 or 15 years, which is a sort of mix between a posh Dublin accent and an American accent. That's something quite interesting. But it, but it is true about the um, the influence. And, and you know, when we whenever I hear about the European Convention on Human Rights being thrown in the bin by the Tories, mm -hmm. I, I think the American lobby in, sorry, the Irish lobby in the US is sort of, um, the firewall to that because if if the Tories end up damaging the Good Friday Agreement, there'd be sanctions. Oh, that that would destroy it because the whole yeah. thing's pinned on yeah. human um, rights laws. Yep, they'll, they'll they'll never do it. They'll they'll it'll be probably the big thing, you know, the in vogue thing to talk about. But the realities of doing it, I I I think there are enough, shall we say, sensible, and I, I do this in massive <laughs> yeah. quotation marks. Well, we, we hope that. We, we, we thought that might have been the case with Brexit. Who would you rather have as a, as a winner? Biden, who seems to be having huge mental difficulties. I think yesterday he was giving a medal to an 81-year-old four-star general and walked off the stage mid-ceremony for no reason at all? Or do you give it to Donald Trump, who is stupid and crazy? You, you mean, don't give it to Trump straight away. Uh, you no, just never it, give it to Trump. The, the thing is, is Biden, if you actually look at how he's been running the country, there's a lot to, to credit him for. He's, he's clearly too old. Hmm. Um, it's one of those things, obviously the Democrats do not have anyone else because if they did they would use them yeah. because he is too old yeah but at Both the same time he's running the country state. yeah they're in a they're in a <laughs> transitional state you've got the old guard and then you've got the new who are still coming in but they're still sort of too inexperienced to to really take over and the old guard especially the democratic party don't really want to let go of the range yet and you've got mitch mcconnell freezing i think twice in yeah. giving speeches recently yeah and you know he's you know the big wig of the uh of the yeah, he was the speaker yeah but when, when it comes to Joe... weight as well yeah he's literally like you're like <laughs> wow this is sorry max you were gonna no say... no i was about to say but like when it comes to biden the mistakes he makes are are gaffes like there isn't any he hasn't made any really big you know uh, policy mistakes. I think. Yeah, I don't think he's anything. He's done anything on the world stage which has embarrassed the United States or some bad policy. I think whatever he has done that is embarrassing is limited to you know something he he did like giving out a medal or saying the wrong country or um, he's made a, a lot of gaffes. But I think the damage they have done is extremely limited to co compared to what Trump has done. 
that's why Trump shouldn't be anywhere near the White House yeah. again. Well, yeah. good, to, good to know those are our two choices for the Western but, world. But that's, well, that's... on that cheerful note, bye everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad.